invite you to open your Bible with me tonight to Psalm 41. Psalm 41. In the past, we've uh, taken the Psalms uh, going through the summer season. Uh, this year, we looked at the Ordo Salutis, the Doctrines of Salvation. But uh, I just wanted to come back to the, the Psalms again from time to time and um, maybe pick up a regular series again. But Psalm 41 tonight is where we've come to in the book of Psalms. It's a prayer for those who are hurting, and particularly for those who are hurting from slander or betrayal. And so let's give our attention to uh, the Psalm of David, Psalm 41. You'll notice that this is the last uh, psalm in book one. And um, the refrain there is a refrain that you'll find at the end of all the books of, in, the, in the Psalter. Um, there's five. But let's give our attention to Psalm 41. It'll begin at verse one. Blessed is the one who considers the poor. In the day of trouble, the Lord delivers him. The Lord protects him and keeps him alive. He is called blessed in the land. You do not give him up to the will of his enemies. The Lord sustains him on his sickbed. In his illness, you restore him to full health. As for me, I said, O Lord, be gracious to me. Heal me, for I have sinned against you. My enemies say of me in malice, when will he die and his name perish? And when one comes to see me, he utters empty words while his heart gathers iniquity. When he goes out, he tells it abroad. All who hate me whisper together about me. They imagine the worst for me. They say a deadly thing is poured out on him. He will not rise again from where he lies. Even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. But you, O Lord, be gracious to me and raise me up that I may repay them. By this I know that you delight in me. My enemy will not shout in triumph over me. But you have upheld me because of my integrity and set me in your presence forever. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. Let's ask the Lord to bless his word. God in heaven, you've given us this word as we read earlier. Uh, it, is, it is here for our edification. It's here for our spiritual nourishment, our comfort. Uh, we pray, O oh God, that we would hear the voice of our Lord speak to us tonight. As we open his word together, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> the title of my message tonight is a prayer for the betrayed. Uh, this is a psalm that's written out of a, a personal experience of relational pain, David is uh, feeling slandered and uh, betrayed, and it hurts. Uh, if uh, you've had those experiences, you, you know the pain that's caused by it. Uh, if you've been slandered, you know how, just how painful it is when someone is out speaking evil against you, saying uh, things to other people about you that are either untrue or maybe half-truth, um, things that um, they spin uh, in order to uh, either make the story a little more dramatic or to make you look a little uh, worse than, than um, or at least than it, than it would appear. Um, maybe the people will assign to you the worst possible motives about what really happened. Maybe what they say is true, but it's something that you trusted, uh, you'd given, trusted that information to them. And, um, and now they're sharing it with others. Or you thought you would resolve that issue with them in a biblical way, and now it's popping up again. And the slander goes on. Uh, slander happens. It happens in um, 
West Michigan. It happens right here at Harvest Church, and it happens in our lives, and it hurts. Maybe you've been betrayed by someone close to you, maybe a close friend or a child, Uh, maybe your spouse. Uh, Being betrayed is one of the most painful and disorienting experiences uh, in in life. I was reading an article recently by uh, Dr. Barry Bass, who is a, a therapist, and he wrote this concerning the trauma caused specifically by marital betrayal. He says, with the exception of the death of a child, there is no marital or relationship event more painful than the discovery of a partner's infidelity. The disorienting after effects of such a betrayal resemble the psychic disorientation and confusion that we see in victims of earthquakes or other such natural disasters. And they, uh, he says we often have to treat post-traumatic stress um, in these cases. Well, Psalm 41 is, is then written for people who are hurting. Uh, some of you are hurting uh, in that way tonight, hurting from slander, hurting from betrayal. And uh, one of the uh, wonderful things about the Psalms, as um, maybe you've known this from your own personal experience, but the Psalms are such an encouragement to God's people, because on the one hand, we get to listen in on the prayers of the saints of old. We get to, we get to listen in on David's prayers and, and recognize that in David's experience, we sort of have our own experience uh, exposed or unexplained. Uh, we, we, get to, we get the sense that God knows uh, yes, this is, this is what it feels like. Yes, this is what I'm going through. Uh, as David talks about either the grief or the, uh, the sorrow, the, the conviction of sin or the hurt uh, of relational pain. But, uh, but more importantly, this is a, um, a spirit-inspired book that gives words to our prayers so that we can now take these words on our own and we can make this our prayer before the Lord. And most importantly of all, these words are about our Lord. Jesus is revealed uh, in, these, in these songs, these prayers. Um, this was Jesus' prayer book, as you know, the Psalter. This is, uh, these are psalms that Jesus would have memorized in his childhood. Uh, he quotes from the psalms more often than any other book of the Old Testament in his life. Uh, he knows these psalms. He loves these psalms. And, and uh, in its pages, uh, he would read the story of his own life. Uh, he would find words for his own prayers and his praises. And he would also find assurances of his uh, coming victory over the enemies of God. And so tonight, the way I would like to structure the sermon is, first we're going to look at David's prayer, and then Christ's experience, of, uh, as this is Christ's prayer, and then finally our prayer as we take these words to ourselves. Let's pick it up then, first of all, David's prayer. If you have your Bible open, you'll, you'll notice that the, the psalm really breaks down naturally into three parts. Verses 1 through 3, David states a spiritual principle, verses 1 through 3. And then in 4 through 10, you have the, the body of the prayer, uh, David's prayer concerning uh, this relational pain. And then verse 11 through 13, uh, David's assurance of victory in his praise because of that assurance. And so let's just pick it up, first of all, then, one through three. Uh, David starts the, a prayer in an interesting way with a, stating a spiritual principle. The, uh, Blessed is the one who considers the poor. In the day of trouble, the Lord delivers him. 
Uh, blessed is the one who considers the poor. Uh, the poor, the, the word for poor here, it's, a, it's broader than what we would think of poor people, people who are struggling financially. The Hebrew word is, is broader and, and deals uh, more generally with people who are helpless, defenseless. Uh, poverty is one way of being defenseless and helpless. But it's, it's a broader term. Blessed are those who consider those who are defenseless and helpless. And to consider, is a, it's a, a word that implies uh, carefully thinking about taking that need into your uh, consideration and, and uh, wisely acting and engaging to help people in their weakness, in their defenseless state. So a person who cares for the fatherless and the widow uh, would be a, a very biblical example of someone who is considering the need of the poor. Well, David clearly seems to see himself as such a person. This isn't just a sort of a general statement about a general spiritual truth. David is um, he's speaking this thing because David believes himself to be uh, someone after the heart of God who has a concern and, and considers those who are in a defenseless state. As a king, this is one of the things that would be his glory. His, he would have the ability to help. And, and it would be um, his glory as, a, as God's king to show consideration to those who are defenseless. One example in David's own home is when he takes Mephibosheth, uh, Jonathan's uh, crippled son. And in, in those days, of course, uh, Mephibosheth belongs to the line of Saul. If uh, David is coming in and uh, establishing his reign, he would wipe out the line of Saul. But he takes Mephibosheth because of his love for Jonathan into his home, makes him a member of the family, and he eats at the family table. Well, uh, David begins, blessed is the one, and then lists the blessings. If you have your Bible there, verse 1, the Lord delivers him in the day of trouble. The Lord protects him and keeps him alive, verse 2. He is not given over to the will of his enemies. Verse 3, the Lord sustains him on his sickbed and restores him to full health. Now, again, David isn't just naming general truths. David is claiming uh, the kindness and blessings of God. As, he's, as he uh, recounts these things, he's taking these things to his own heart. The Lord will deliver me in my day of trouble. You'll see that as the psalm uh, moves forward. Uh, the spiritual principle here is, a, is, a, is a, really a basic a principle of the Christian faith. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Uh, to the one who shows mercy, God says, uh, they shall receive mercy. God is a God who cares for defenseless people. God expects his children to have a concern for helpless and defenseless people. And so as we embrace um, this, this principle, blessed is the one who considers the poor, there, there are blessings here for our own comfort and assurance. As we seek to help others, God promises that he will be a help to us. But David then moves to um, his prayer concerning a relational pain. And uh, once again, we've seen this in the Psalms before. David begins with a prayer of confession. Verse 4, as for me, I said, O Lord, be gracious to me. Heal me, for I've sinned against you. Uh, we see this uh, in other Psalms. When David is under a stress, when he's being uh, persecuted, when, when uh, his enemies are rising up against him, David senses his weakness. He senses his sin. I think that just rings true to us. I, when, one of the things when I, when I read the Psalms, and, and particularly in a time of, of illness or a time of, 
a trial of some sort, and, I'm, and I, when, when I read the Psalms and I see David uh, confessing his sin, that's exactly uh, what it feels like to be a child of God in a time of trial. As, as you sense, the Lord is disciplining me. The Lord is uh, opening my eyes to see um, the foolishness of my heart, the wickedness uh, maybe that I've, that I've thought or said or just a pattern that I've not really considered in my life. A time of sickness will do that by the kindness of God. And David here acknowledges at the outset, Lord, I'm a sinful man. One writer says, the best of men never get beyond the publican's prayer, oh Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Isn't that true? The best of men never get beyond the publican's prayer, oh Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. But David doesn't stay there wallowing in a sense of conviction or guilt. He, um, he confesses that in order to move forward into an expression of confidence that God will help him. A Kidner says he is confident that he will get more mercy from the God whom he has wronged than from the friend he has helped. David is fully confident as he pours, uh, tells the story of his pain. And that story is in verses 5 through 9. He apparently is sick in bed, but his sorrow here is not uh, over the illness so much as the, the treatment he's receiving from both enemies and friends alike. His enemies are saying in malice, when will he die? That's not a very nice thing to say. It's not very nice to have people saying that about you. Oh, you're sick? When will you die? That's what, that's what his enemies are saying. He's, you know, there's, there's uh, probably his servants are out in the streets. And David said, what are, what are the people saying out there? Well, David, um, they're saying, when, when, when are you going to die? And when, when one of them does come to comfort David, they're not really coming to comfort him. They're just getting fodder for gossip. So David says he, he utters empty words while in his heart he gathers iniquity. So he's just looking for a story, There's something that he can go out and, um, and say, yeah, I was just in to see David. You know, we're quite tight, quite close, and uh, oh, it's, a, it's not a good thing at all. It's evident that, that uh, there's a, some deadly disease. The, the, the Hebrew word here is it, 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 there's evil about it. You see, there's, there's some reproach, something. David's done something, and God is not happy. It's clear that, that um, uh, some sort of a cursed thing has attached itself to David. Uh, he will not rise again from where he lies. And you can see this man telling the story, and all, and all of his friends, oh, yeah, stroking their beards and talking about um, David must be a wicked man. To be on his bed like this, to be uh, suffering like this, God is finally punishing him. You know, you remember what he did uh, back there with Uriah and Bathsheba, or, or you, you remember what he, what he did in this circumstance. And that's what David's experience is here. His enemies are waiting for him to die. But more painful than the slander of his enemies is the betrayal of his friend. We read it in verse 9, even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. David doesn't really tell us much more. Um, maybe it's too painful to talk about, but it, it hurts. Lifted up his heel, uh, that's a reference to uh, an, a, a horse or, or ox or, or donkey lashing out and kicking you. If, you ever, if you've ever been kicked by a horse or cow, uh, it hurts. It hurts a lot. And uh, David said that's what his friend, his close friend, the friend that he trusted, has done to him. And it's wounded him. And he prays that God would be gracious to him. And then David moves into 
his assurance. By this I know that you delight in me. My, my enemy will not shout in triumph over me. He's abs- absolutely confident that God, uh, that God delights in him. What a wonderful comfort. And that because God delights in him, and God will manifest his delight in giving David the triumph. Uh, verse 12, but you have upheld me because of my integrity and set me in your presence forever. Verse 12 tends to make reformed preachers nervous. Uh, I've listened to uh, several sermons on this text, and I've heard um, some good men say uh, David isn't appealing to his own integrity here. He's appealing to the righteousness of Christ, that God has upheld him because of Christ's integrity. Well, no, that's, that's actually not true. Um, David is specifically, in plain Hebrew, appealing to his own integrity. So what does that mean? Well, he's not claiming to be without sin. We know that because he's already confessed his sin. Verse 4. Nor is he saying that um, God owes him something here. He's saying that God has responded to something, though. That God has responded to his integrity. God has upheld him because of his integrity. Well, what, what does that mean? Well, integrity just means something that it's, that's pure, undiluted, undefiled. Something that's simple, single. And so you see, the, the integrity that David is appealing to is, is not that he has not sinned, as we've said. It's the integrity of his, of his hope, his, his desire. One thing I've asked, this is what I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. But it's specifically his hope, that his hope is in the Lord his God. You see the exact same thought in Psalm 26. If you have your Bible, just flip it back and I'll, I can show it to you. Psalm 26, verse 1. David writes, Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity, and I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. That's, that's the integrity he's talking about. I've trusted in the Lord without wavering. You see, what David is saying is that when a person puts his confidence in God, God responds all the time. All the time. That when, when a person puts his hope in the Lord, he's never put to shame. The Bible says that. And so David is, is, is saying, I'm experiencing, or I'm, I'm, I'm putting my confidence in that faithfulness of God. Those who hope in the Lord shall not be dismayed. Blessed is the man whose hope is in the Lord is God. Psalm 31, verse 24, be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. That's a biblical principle, that if you cast yourself on the Lord, God will uphold you. God will sustain you. He delights to respond to your cry. And so this is where um, David stands as he closes his hymn. He's casting himself on the Lord as God. And because he's casting himself on the Lord as God, and because he's absolutely confident that God forsaketh not his own, uh, David is able to close the psalm with a, with a, um, a doxology of praise. Blessed be the Lord, the, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Amen. And amen. Now, as you know, that's David's prayer, and yet it becomes Christ's prayer 
in a deeper and richer way. It's, it's amazing if you look at Psalm 41 to think about Jesus uh, reading and memorizing and singing and praying these words, knowing that they're ultimately about him, to comfort him, to confirm him in his calling. Uh, this is why he's come. Blessed is the one who considers the poor in the day of trouble. The Lord delivers him. There's never been one who considers the poor like Jesus. No one ever had a friend, right, the hymn says, like Jesus. And Jesus is there because God the Father has considered the poor. God looked out into this lost, broken, devastated world. To, it looked upon a human race that was in absolute bondage, defenseless, helpless, nothing that they could do to rescue themselves uh, from the death that uh, had come into the world through Adam and, and through their own sin. And God did not say, well, it is justly yours. I, I told you, the day the soul, right, the, the soul that sins shall surely die. On the day you eat of it, you will die. I said it in my word. There you have it. It's not what God says. God, in kindness and mercy, determines to, um, to rescue, to consider the need of the poor, even at the cost of his own son. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive together with Christ even while we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And so Jesus reads Psalm 41. This is why he's here. And as Jesus reads Psalm 41, uh, he doesn't have to say, heal me for I've sinned against you. But he does know that he is going to experience these things, bearing the sins of others. Uh, Jesus had his own enemies, enemies who desired his death, enemies who said, when will he die and his name perish? The people that hated him, hated him with all of their heart and spoke against him. Uh, a deadly thing, they would say, right? A, a vile reproach is upon him. Uh, Isaiah says the same thing, prophesying of the death of Christ. Uh, we considered him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. When Jesus was hanging there on the cross, everyone watching was convinced he's there for a reason. He's there because God has, has cursed him. A, a vile, evil thing is attached to him, and now he's suffering justly. And of course, it's true. It's just that the, the punishment that he's receiving isn't for his sin, but it's for ours. God was punishing him for a great evil, our evil. As Isaiah again says, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. In verse, four, verse 9 uh, expresses perfectly the pain of our Lord. Uh, he quotes from Psalm 41, verse 9, when he's at the Last Supper. He's washed the disciples' feet. And then he, he tells them that one of them is going to betray him and quotes directly from Psalm 41, verse 9, even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread has lifted up his heel against me. And Jesus quotes it, experiencing the sorrow of it. Just by, uh, simply knowing that Judas would do this does not uh, take away the pain when Judas did, when Judas came and kissed him. Jesus could read in this psalm the truth about his own life, both in its sorrows but also in its victory. Uh, how the devil and uh, those who uh, followed the devil must have rejoiced when Jesus died. Uh, he will not rise again from where he lies. I'm sure they, they confidently said he will not rise again from where he lies. And yet um, they forgot the word of God that uh, David says here in the very beginning, uh, you do not give him over to the will of his enemies. You restore him 
to full health. And Jesus was restored uh, to full glorified health. Not only did he rise, he rose triumphant over the devil, over his enemies. And he repays them. We have this this phrase here in verse uh, 10, raise me up that I may repay them. David is not just uh, talking about, Lord, make me better so I can take personal vengeance on my enemies. It's not what he's saying. David is a king. David has the right and the, and the obligation uh, to pronounce the, just, the justice of God on the enemies of God. And th- those who oppose David are opposing the king, God's king, and they're opposing God. Well, Jesus Christ has the right. And the, and, and the New Testament does not shirk from the right of Jesus who will come and, um, and deal justly and with judgment on those who oppose him. But Jesus Christ has won that, uh, that victory. And, and, and knowing by this, I know that you delight in me. My enemy will not shout in triumph over me. Well, how does this psalm uh, be, how is this a comfort to us? Psalms are meant to be for our soul nourishment. Well, some of you tonight are right in the middle of this. Or you have a recent experience of this. Someone has said or is saying something that deeply wounds you. One of, the, one of the things about the West Michigan community, maybe particularly the Dutch community, but I don't know if we could lay, lay full claim to it, but one of the things about having a, a real network where people know each other is when, uh, when gossip or slander begins, it's got a lot of place to run. And so it's very easy to be slandered in West Michigan. It's easy to have uh, your name talked about and, and for people to assume and believe the worst about you, particularly if you're a Christian. Plummer says, one of the greatest afflictions of good men is when they are not judged fairly nor have their motives rightly construed. Maybe you know that experience. You've been recently betrayed. Someone near to you has turned against you, has broken a promise violated a trust, and you struggle on, but you're hurt. You're really hurt. And, and one of the interesting things, if, if you're sick, um, if you break something, if you um, have some physical ailment, people can notice and people can respond if, if maybe if you're in financial difficulty. But there's, a, there's something about this sort of a pain that is pretty much born alone. Now, one of the reasons is, um, how do you defend yourself against slander? How do you defend yourself when someone is lying or speaking half-truths about you? It's a very helpless place to be. Uh, you, you, can't, you can't take to the airwaves, right, and defend yourself. It, it couldn't possibly work. Now, how do you keep the slanderer from uh, continuing to spread half-truths and telling lies? And the answer, of course, is you can't. You can't. If, if, if you're being slandered, you're defenseless. You're helpless. But it doesn't mean there's nowhere to turn. Hope in the Lord your God. Trust in the Lord. Let Psalm 41 lead you on this journey of faith. It's a wonderful reminder that the heart of God is a merciful heart. And that God does consider your need and your helplessness. It's a reminder, too, that that the road that you're walking, you're not walking alone. That Jesus Christ, your, your, your high priest, can sympathize because He's experienced exactly what you're experiencing. There's a, you remember when Paul says, I want to know Christ and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering. There's something about suffering, something as common and painful as slander and betrayal. 
that it's wonderful to know that Jesus Christ knows exactly uh, what that feels like. And Jesus Christ cares for you in that place. And that Jesus Christ persevered in faith and did the Father's will and, 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 and gained the victory, not just for himself, but he gained it for you. That because of our Lord Jesus Christ, um, we can have vastly more confidence in a sense than David did. David had the revelation of the Old Testament. We have all that now in, in wonderful technicolor. Uh, that in a sense, the Old Testament is black and white and a little bit fuzzy. Now we've got a high def technicolor revelation of, of God in Jesus Christ and all the promises that are ours in him. And so Psalm 41, friend, it's a psalm for you when you're hurting particularly in relational pain, calling you to wait upon the Lord, calling you to trust your reputation and your life to the Lord your God, and calling you then to celebrate, uh, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. Remember the psalm begins, blessed is the one, blessed the man who considers the poor, but the man uh, who goes through this, this walk of faith is going to end saying, blessed be the Lord. Praise be to God. From everlasting to everlasting, we'll spend eternally, eternity delighting and praying and praising him. No matter what people might seek to do to harm us, no matter what the devil might do seeking to destroy us, God reigns to save you. He reigns to save you, to rescue. Right in this place where maybe to other people it doesn't seem like a big thing, but to you it's a, it's, it's a real thing. It's a painful thing. Jesus Christ, friend, meets us there in this prayer for the hurting. Let's pray to him. A Father in heaven, I thank you for this psalm. Lord, we maybe have all experienced in some degree or another betrayal and slander. We know the pain that comes and, Lord, maybe the cynicism or the bitterness that results. And Father, I thank you that we can, like David, cast our hope upon the Lord. Uh, we can, Lord, even um, with, the, with the blessedness of being New Testament Christians, we can see our Savior praying this prayer and, and Jesus walking this painful road, uh, bearing our sin, doing it for us, so that we can have the confidence that the God we pray to not only is able to protect us, but, but understands and knows and cares. And that because, Lord, you have loved us, um, we are not left to our, to our own. I thank you, Lord, that in these times of relational pain, we can confess our sin. I thank you that we can confess with assurance that you delight in us because of Jesus and that you will set us uh, someday in your own presence forever. We thank you so much that that's true. We ask that it would come true soon. In Jesus' name, amen.